B'Shem Hashem Na'aseh V'Nasliach. Welcome everyone to our weekly shiur of the Zerah Shimshon on the parasha. We are on parashat Yitro, Be'ezrat Hashem, starting parashat Yitro, Drush Bet, the second Drush of the Zerah Shimshon on the parasha. May the Zechut of the Zerah Shimshon be a Melitz Yosher for Kol Am Yisrael, and all of the brachot that he guarantees all of us, all of the Jews that read his Torah, should come true. Amen. Keni Ratzon. So in this week's parasha, there is a midrash that talks about the pasuk <clears throat> when Yitro is coming to greet Moshe Rabbeinu. Yitro is Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. And at the time of the Exodus, when Moshe Rabbeinu was coming out of Egypt with all of the Jews, Moshe Rabbeinu's wife and his two sons were not with him. He had left them with Yitro, his father-in-law, in Midian, Later on, when the Jews finally came and the exodus happened and the Jews left Egypt, Yitro and Zipporah, Moshe Rabbeinu's wife, and his two sons met them in the desert. There is a discussion in the commentaries as to exactly when Yitro came to Moshe Rabbeinu, whether it was before Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, or if it was after the giving of the Torah. We're not going to get into that discussion. All we're going to talk about tonight is the meeting between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu and, the dis- and, and their exchanging of um, um, messages between each other when Yitro was about to come and join Bnei Israel. There was actually more than meets the eye. There was things going on before Yitro actually joined the Jews in the Midbar. And the Pasuk says, Vayomer el Moshe. Talking about Yitro. Yitro said to Moshe, I am coming with your wife and her two sons with her, and I'm coming to join you. That's what Yitro sends as a message. Some say it was with a messenger, some say it was a letter. Either way, it was Yitro before joining the Jews, telling Moshe that he wants to come and join the camp. We're going to delve into what the reason was behind Yitro needing to tell Moshe that I'm going to join the camp, what was going on. And in fact, it was something to do with conversion. Because Yitro, if we say that this was happening after the giving of the Torah, Yitro needed to convert. Even if we say this was happening before the giving of the Torah, he still needed to convert. Because he wasn't with the rest of the Jews when they exited. He wasn't with the rest of the Jews when they did the Korban Pesach, the sacrificial Pesach offering. So there was things that he was missing. Right? So now, <coughs> Midrash takes this a little further. The Midrash takes that pasuk that Yitro says he was talking to Moshe. And he said, Vayomer el Moshe. Yitro said to Moshe, I am coming to you. Midrash says, this pasuk is not only... Referring to Yitro talking to Moshe, it's actually referring to Hashem also talking to Moshe about Yitro. What was this discussion? HaKadosh Baruch Hu Amar Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, Ani hu she'amarti olam. I am the one who said, and there was a world. Meaning, I'm the one who spoke the world into existence. Ani hu merachek. I am the one who um, is a mekarev, I bring people near and I do not uh, distance them from myself. I am the one who drew Yitro near and I am the one who did not distance him. This person who's coming to you, referring to 
Yitro, this is God talking to Moshe. This person that's coming to you, meaning Yitro, he is coming solely for the sake of heaven. He has no other ulterior motives. He is com- completely doing it for heaven's sake. No other reason. Bring him near, do not distant him. Until this, this was the Midrash. It was Hashem basically telling Moshe Rabbeinu, don't distant Yitro, bring him to you, accept him. But it could have been used, it could have been much simpler. I am Hashem, Yitro is coming to you, accept him. Why the lengthy thing of I am the one who said and uh, uh, who spoke the world into existence, I am the one who brings near and does not distant. You must bring Yitro near, not distant him. What are we talking about? What are, uh. Okay. You got to let me first start. It's not time for recap yet. Kashet. Okay. It is, uh, just in case people cannot hear me online, please give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. And not yet. Okay, give me a thumbs up when you can, if you can hear me, if you're actually listening. Kashe. <laughs> so the Zer Shimshon says, it's difficult to understand. Why do I need here, <coughs> what's the need for here, where God says, I am the one who spoke the world into existence. What does that have to do with, with, uh, with accepting Yitro into conversion? I am the one who spoke the world into existence. The odd, and furthermore, why, why does God say, I am the one who spoke the world into existence? Why not say, I am the one who created the world? I'm the creator of the world. I am the one who created the world. Why the cryptic speech of, I am the one who spoke the world into existence? More, thirdly, what's the repetition of the same idea, which was, I am the one who brings near and does not distant. If he's the one who brings near, obviously he's not the one who is distancing someone. If, you're, if you are accepting, obviously you're not rejecting, Right? So it's saying, if Hashem is already saying, I'm the one who accepts, obviously you're the one who does not reject. Why do you have to say, I'm the one who accepts and does not reject? I don't need you to double down. What's the double down? Clear so far? Yes? Okay. Now, the Zerashim Shon is going <coughs> to begin to start answering some of these difficulties with... Um, some halachot that we learn from the Gemara. We can understand this from what we learn from the second and the fourth chapter of Gemara Yevamot, which says, Tan Rabbanan, it was taught in a Brita. And Mekabbelim, this is some halachot that are learned about conversions. Okay. Some halachot about conversions. We do not accept converts in the times of Moshiach. Did you guys know that? 
Well, that's one thing you learned tonight already. See, you're always learning something new with Rabbi Sakai. We do not accept converts during, um, during Moshiach. Why is that? What's the reason that we do not accept converts during the times of Moshiach? Mishum because there is, there is a pasuk in Yeshayo that says, Meaning, the one who was with you in your suffering shall sit or settle with you when you're wealthy or when you're happy. Meaning, if someone wants to convert, time of Moshiach is when? When Moshiach comes is when truth is known in the world, the Jews are going to be on top, and everyone's going to know that we are the chosen nation and we're going to be leaders of the world, right? At that time when we won't, people want to com- convert, like whoop-de-doo, no thanks, right? You're not converting for the right reasons. You're only converting because we have it good now. And now that we have it good, now you feel, oops, I want to convert because like, uh, you guys are on top of the world and I want to be there with you, Right? So that's not a conversion, l'shem shamayim. That is not a conversion for the sake of heaven. You're only doing it because you just realize, like, ah, they have it much better, so I want to be on their team. So we're gonna. We're, it's all gonna be. If it's not in here, then ask the question. Awesome. So um, we can ask on this, which he brings down also. Uh, Tosafot asks over there, Tosafot asks, how about in the times of David HaMelech, in the times of Shlomo HaMelech? We know that they were in converts during the times of King Solomon, the times of King David. They were good times. So if so, we should not have taken converts during the reign of Shlomo HaMelech. Right? And a Tosafot or, over there in the Gemara already answers, Because in one place... You can't, there's no question. Why? Because one of the converts that we're, we're referring to actually was the daughter of Pharaoh at the time who converted and married King Solomon. So now, when do we say that we don't take converts when we're having it good? Only if the person themselves don't have it good. If you have a princess coming from Pharaoh's home that has everything she needs over there and even more, but she decides to come to the other side, you can tell she's doing it for the right right reasons. She's already a princess. She's already got a good life in King Solomon's time. But what does she do? She comes from the house of Pharaoh from Egypt and she wants to decide to live with King Solomon with 613 extra, you know, new mitzvot. When they want to do that, then we know, yes, they're not doing it for money. They're not doing it for wealth. They're not doing it for fame. They already have all of that. So if they're coming to our side, it's because they actually want to be Jewish. That's why King Solomon converted uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And in King David Amelech's time, different things happened. Also, same type of thing. <coughs> or, not for her, for him. Or that they come and convert on their own. If they convert on their own, what does that mean? Meaning, we don't find this really. But someone wants to convert. Let's say the Jews are having a good. He doesn't come to court. He decides, I want to convert on my own. I'm going to learn all of the Torah myself. And I'm going to start keeping all of the Torah myself. Da, 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 da. 
and they do everything and they take all of the hardships on themselves. And then finally, let's say court finds out and says, you know what? They did it on their own. They went through all the hardship on their own. We'll accept it and we'll officially convert them. If they did it on their own, then the court is allowed to convert them after the fact. That's also okay. That's also an okay conversion. Because the person did it on their own, they didn't do it for any ulterior motives. They decided to convert on their own, they didn't ask anybody, they, they didn't even tell the Jews, like, listen, I'm, I, I want to convert. When they saw that the Jews are having it good. Since we see that they were L'Shem Shamaim, we accept them. Or, Shemakirim Anubahem Shabaim L'Shem Shamaim. Third reason and the last reason is, we know for a fact that they're doing it L'Shem Shamaim. They have no ulterior motives, we know them. We know they're doing it for the right reasons. If the court decides we know for a fact that we're do this person is converting for the right reasons, we accept them. These are the three different reasons. Right? So far so good. This is all intro. So you got to really keep up. Alright, great. Okay. Az meqabbalim v'na'asim ger Once you have these three conditions, you accept them as ger As righteous converts, which we have, Baruch Hashem, many of even today, right? I have a convert story which is crazy. If we have time afterwards, ask me, I'll tell you. This tea, by the way, mm. It further states over there, Now, this goes to the fourth chapter. We said there's two chapters in Yevamot that talks about conversion. We did the second chapter, those three, that brought those three reasons. In the fourth chapter, it gives a little bit more. Furthermore, it says, What do they do when a convert comes and says they, he wants to convert? And you already know some things about the person, so you want to test out the ground to see, you know, is he, is he or she real? Do they really want to convert? What do you do? You tell them about some of the easy mitzvot. Some of the easy stuff to keep, right? Like if you live around Pico Robertson, kosher. You know, if you're not keeping kosher while you live around here, oh boy. After 120 years, there's going to be a whole bunch of restaurant names that are going to be in court. Like, you didn't keep kosher, why? I couldn't find kosher, Trader Joe's, Costco, you know, and then the rest of Ralph's. All these places that carry own, like literally all of the glad kosher stuff you actually need. So we tell them a little of the easy ones to keep. Someone ask a question? What? And then we tell them some of the hard ones. We don't only tell them some of the easy ones. We tell them some of the very, very difficult ones. Shabbat. Uh, 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 um, all the tanits that we have. Yom Kippur. And, and I don't know, pick the ones that are, I don't know, I guess you got to tell from the person also what would be difficult for them. Huh? Passover. Like an entire week, especially if you're not Sephardi, definitely Passover. An entire week of potatoes, meat and chicken. Right? If you're Sephardi, don't use Passover because we gain weight. Ben Marbin Alav. However, it's all jokes. Everyone, whoever's listening afterwards right now, it, this is, these are all jokes. Ve'en Marbin Alav. However, we do not, we're, we try not to be excessive on the person. 
not too much of the easy stuff, not too much of the hard stuff. Don't push them away. Do you hear already something coming about about the questions that we asked? Don't do too much. Don't push them away too much. Atkan. And this is basically the fourth chapter of Erevin. That's what's mentioned over there about some of the laws of Gerut, about conversion. Third, now there's a third source. The Od Yadua, it is also known from, it's from Mishnah Avot and Prika Avot. Now we're going to go into the utterances that God uttered to create the world. How did God create the world? Not by hand, it wasn't building anything. All of creation came about how? By speech. Every pasuk in Bereshit says, Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Or, Vayhi Or. And Hashem said, Let there be light. And there was light. Vayomer Elohim, this, and it happened. All of creation happened through speech, through words. So we know that these ma'amarot, these divine utterances that the world was created with, were needed, why? Meaning, now we're going a little deep, Kabbalistic here. Why did we need 10 utterances for God to create the world? Would it, was it difficult for God to create the world with one utterance to say, let there be world? Everything would have been created in one shot. Earth, galaxies, stars, animals, dinosaurs, they're also animals, human beings, vegetation, everything would come into creation in one shot, boom. Why didn't God make everything in one shot? Why the 10 different utterances? Or in fact, nine extra utterances. One utterance would have been the creation of the world, but God decided to cut it down into 10, so we have nine extra ma'amarot. Amarot. We have ten, nine extra. Why? So, this is where we learn from a Chachamim, they say, it was needed in order for God to give um, reward to the righteous and to punish the evildoers. <coughs> and you can see the explanation in Midrash Shemuel, the beginning of the fifth perek in Avot, that that the pasuk makes sense. Why? Okay. Anytime in the Torah, now what does it have to do with, basically I'm trying to explain now, what does it have to do with punishment for the righteous, uh, punishment for the wicked and reward for the righteous? We said God created the world with 10 utterances, why nine extra utterances? In order to be able to punish the wicked and to reward the righteous. Following so far? Okay. What does that have to do with anything? Because in the Torah, whenever we have the word Vayomer, Vayomer means, and he said. Right? But we also, we also have the word, word that is used a lot in the Torah as Vaydaber. Vaydaber Hashem, huh? Right. There's a difference. Yes. So happy you're following, you have no idea. I just had a moment, man. 
Whenever you have the word Vayomer, these are by the way, you have the right to be excited because people do not understand how every single word that is used in the Torah connotes a different feeling, uh, emotions, sometimes uh, different parts in the judgment areas. Anytime in the Torah you have the word Vayomer, when it says, and he said Vayomer, Vayomer is Lashon Raka, it's soft spoken. Something being spoken softly. Right? Whenever you have the Lashon, Vaidaber, Vaidaber is strength. It's deen, it's judgment. If you look now in the Torah, whenever you see when Moshe Rabbeinu was being somehow, you know, God was telling Moshe Rabbeinu about something that was wrong, it says, Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe Lemor. You know, oops. Right? Whenever it says, Vayomer Hashem, it's soft spoken. Right? So here, all of creation, you have two opposites. Oh, okay. I forgot to explain one of them. You also have different names of God in the Torah. You have Elohim and you have Yudkei Vavkei, right? Amonai. Amonai is the, is, is, is the name of Hashem that represents chesed, kindness, right? Amonai. Elohim is, it represents din, judgment. Right? Opposites. In, in our, basically, in our mental capacity, they're opposites. Truly, they're not. There is no opposites in God. God is all good. God is all chesed. In our understanding, in our mental capacity, Hashem, Yudke Vavke, represents chesed and rachamim and mercy. Elohim is judgment, din. You never want judgment. God is very fair. You don't want fairness, right? Because if you want fairness, it's simple. You know, it's a straight line. We always want rachamim. Rachamim is a curved line. You always want rachamim from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yudke Vavke. In creation, you have these opposites working together. Because it says what? Vayomer, soft-spoken, Elohim, judgment. Vayomer Elohim, Yehior. And God said softly with Rachamim, but Elohim, which God? Elohim, the God of judgment. So the world was, 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 was created with a mix of judgment and Rachamim. And we have in the Kabbalistic views that if God would not have put that Rachamim into the world, the world would cease to exist. We wouldn't make it. With the first mistake that Adam and Chava made, poof, gone. The world would cease to exist. There would be no place for anybody. Because God would be a just judge and would say, all right, I told you not to eat from the fruit. You ate, poof, gone, finished, done. Mistake, erased, right? But since God used Rachamim also, there was place for Teshuvah and repentance and returning and the world is almost 6,000 years old and we're still here. If it wasn't for that Rachamim, no one would be here. So far, so good? Okay. So it says Hashem used the nine extra utterances of Vayomer Elohim, Vayomer Elohim in order to have two things. To be able to give reward to the tzaddikim through Vayomer, his Rachamim, his Chesed, and to be able to punish the Rishaim through Elohim. The wicked get punished through Elohim. It's a very deep idea. This is just the surface. This is all we need to know for now. For our Drush right now. 
Therefore, now we said in the beginning that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am the one who spoke the world into creation. And we asked, why does Hashem say, I am the one who spoke the world into creation? Just say, I'm the, world, I'm the one who created the world, right? So Zer Shemshon is going to use this now and say, this is why Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm the one who spoke the world into creation. It's, it's unbelievable, it's beautiful, it's, it's mind-boggling. Watch. Okay, so we had in Egypt, when Paro wanted to, there's a lot of introductions here in order to understand everything. When Paro wanted to make the decision what to do with the Jews, he didn't make the decision on his own, right? He had advisors. He had three advisors to be exact, right? Paro had three advisors. Who were these three advisors? One of them was Bil'am Harasha. The other one was Iyov, right? And the other one was Yitro. Bil'am was the one who gave the suggestion of throwing the Jewish babies into the river. That was the wicked Bil'am. He got his punishment, he was killed by the Jews when we came out of Egypt. Right? Iyov was silent. He didn't say anything, he said, I don't want to get involved, I want, I'm, I'm not silent. Unfortunately, Iyov went through immense, immeasurable suffering in his life. It is the story of Eov everybody knows about, right? It's, it's so bad that some of Rashim actually even talk about how it was all, it never even actually happened maybe, or it was all actually an imagination. It was like a, uh, because it was so bad, right? That was Eov. So both of those, Bil'am, who gave the advice to Paro to make the Jews suffer, he was killed. He was punished. He was wicked. He was punished. Iyov was not wicked. He was very righteous. But he should have said something. Or he should have done something about it. Because he didn't, he had certain punishments in his life as well. Yitro, on the other hand, he ran away. He lost his position and he ran away. He showed that he was completely against this ideology. And he ran away from Egypt. He had to go to Minyan for his life. He had to run for his life. That was Yitro. So now, Now that God already punished Paro, He already punished Bil'am, and He already punished who? Iov. These people were punished already, right? That part of it was Elohim. The strict judgment of God. That was that part. Right? That's done. Because they were the ones who were at least a little bit involved in what happened to the Jews. However, don't forget. Now we do have to still give the reward to the tzaddikim. Where is the reward for the righteous? So in this plot to make the Jews suffer... We already gave the punishment to those that were either, in, either involved or should have not been silent. They got their punishment. Who do we have left? 
Yitro, who was the righteous one. Where is his reward then? They got their punishment. Where is Yitro's reward? So here is what Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu. Vezehu anihu sha'amarti vaya olam. That's why Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu in Midrash, I am the one who spoke the world into existence. Zerash Mishon says, what does it mean he spoke the world into existence? I spoke the world into existence by saying, Vayomer Elohim. I am Rachamim, I am um, mercy, I am chesed, at the same time I am Elohim. And according to, the, according to what Zerah Shimshon told us, that Hashem used the nine extra utterances of Vayomer Elohim, Vayomer Elohim, so that He'll be able to always punish the wicked and reward the tzaddikim. So Hashem is saying, I'm using those utterances, same way that I punished those wickeds, those that were involved in the punishment of the Jews in Egypt, they got their punishment. Now where's the Vayomer part? Where's my Chesed part? Where's the reward for the righteous? That's where Yitro comes in. That's why Zerashim Shon says, that's why Hashem says, Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am the one who spoke the world into existence. You know what I mean by that? I have a promise to keep. I make the world through chesed and judgment. Judgment goes for those who deserve judgment. But chesed goes to those who deserve chesed. So I owe chesed to Yitro. So when he comes to you, accept him. I want you to accept him. That's one. That's one way Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, accept Yitro as a convert. But we still have some issues here. The Jews just exited Egypt. We're on a high. Right? We're where everybody wants to be. Everyone wants to convert right now, right? So why should we take Yitro? Didn't we say when Moshiach comes, we're not allowed to accept any converts anymore? Because hey, obviously you want to convert now. Too late. That's where... That's where it says, I'll continue. And we'll get to that part also. Hashem said, I am the one who brings near, so to speak, He was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, just as the Gemara taught, I bring near. Meaning what? Teach them the easy stuff. Don't teach them the hard stuff only. Teach them some of the easy stuff. So that you'll bring his heart near. Don't scare them off easily. But, I also commanded you to also teach some of the hard stuff, some of the difficult mitzvot. Don't give them only the easy ones. Right? So that could kind of distant them, right? Aval. But he says, Aval. But do not give them too much of the difficult stuff. Because I don't want you to distance them. So we asked before, why did Hashem say to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm the one who brings near, I'm the one who does not distance people. And the Zerah Shimshon asked, why the double Lashon? Just say, I'm the one who brings near, we know obviously you're the one who does not distance people from yourself. What Hashem was referring to Moshe Rabbeinu was the halacha of Gerut. The halacha of Gerut is Hashem is saying, I'm the one who taught this concept. Teach some of the easy stuff to bring them near. However, teach some of the hard stuff to kind of balance it, but not too hard, not to distance them. That's what Hashem was referring to, which the Gemara mentions in Gemara Yevamot. Now, in the final part of the statement now, Hashem explains to Moshe Rabbeinu once again, 
why he wants to accept Yitro. This person that's coming to you, I know that he's coming Leshem Shamaim. I know he's coming for heaven's sake. Just like the Tosafot taught us that if you know the person's heart, remember we had three conditions. If you know that the person's coming for the right reason, for a fact, you accept them. Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, I know within everyone's heart. And I know Yitro's coming for the right reasons. Leshem Shamaim. Yesh lecha lekarvo, you should accept him. Velimshochet libon, bring his heart near. Velo leharbot alav chumrot. Don't give him difficult tasks. Don't give him the difficult mitzvot, because I don't want you to distance him. I know where his heart is. So now we answered why Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, bring them near, don't distance them, right? We also said um, why Hashem said, I am the one who created the world through utterances, that was to bring punishment and to bring reward for, reward for tzaddikim and punishment for the, <clears throat> for the reshaim. Now, Based on this, now we know the reason why Yitro originally sent messages to Moshe Rabbeinu. What did he say? So he said, Yitro said in the Pasuk, Yitro says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am Yitro, your father-in-law, I am with your wife, I'm coming with Zipporah, your wife, and your two children with her. Okay? Imen begini, he was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, he was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, if you do not come out, meaning you don't come to accept me because of me, if you're not coming for me, for my sake, come out for the sake of your own wife. Why is he saying come out for the sake of your wife? And if you don't come for the sake of your her two sons, and this is what it means, what Yitro was saying to Moshe, if you don't want to accept me, why don't you want to accept me? Why wouldn't Moshe want to accept him? Simple. Why are you coming now? Now that we're all on high, you want to come and join us? So Yitro is saying, if you don't want to accept me, because of that reason, you have a right. You're thinking, I'm coming now because the Jews are on top. And you shouldn't accept me because I'm, I, my, I, I have ulterior motives. I just want to be on a high with you guys, right? If you don't want to accept me because of that, you don't accept that I, 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 I am actually coming for the sake of heaven. I am actually coming. Then come out for your wife. Why? Because your wife was with you through thick and, th thick and thin. She was with you when you were running away from Paro. She was with you when you were excommunicated by all of Egypt. She was with you when you first got appointed to bring the Jews out of Egypt. When you, no one really knew if you're actually going to do it or not. So if you're not going to accept me or do it for my sake, do it for her sake because you have no answer to her. She's not doing it now. She's not coming to you because you're on a high now. No, she was with you when you were low. So you should accept her at least. And for her sake, accept me. 
that's the discussion. Whether it was before or after. And if you don't come for her because of your wife, because you could say that you already separated yourself from her when you made a decision to leave, fine. Come out for her two children. Right? Why? Because they're your own sons too. So if you're going to say you're not going to come for her either, which would be far-fetched, at least do it for your own children. Because they're your own kids too. <coughs> so this is what, really, Moshe Rabbeinu was receiving from Yitro in order to accept him. Second, let me finish this. So, to, to answer your question about the Arab Rav, that Moshe Rabbeinu took there, because I don't want to go to that part, I'm skipping around a little bit. It's a very long derush. So, it says, because the Arab Rav, according to the Torah, the Arab Rav actually joined B'nai Israel before. Ben Israel left Egypt. Or else, they would have suffered also through the Makkah of darkness. So because Ben Israel wasn't yet on their height when the Arab Rav decided to join Ben Israel. So you wouldn't be able to use the Arab Rav as a, as, as a factor to say, hey, but Moshe Rabbeinu did accept the Arab Rav, so why, why did he accept them? They weren't on their scale yet. They were not on their height yet. So now, so that so far answered all of our questions that we had from the beginning. What was the message of Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu? That he says, I created the world with utterances. He was telling Moshe Rabbeinu that he wants to reward Yitro. And he was also telling Yitro, I know his heart, he's L'Shem Shamayim. And then Yitro was proving himself by telling Moshe Rabbeinu that I'm not coming for ulterior motives, right? You have to accept me because I'm coming with your, with, your, with your wife, and she was with you through thick and thin. She didn't have an excuse. So I'm coming with them, accept me for their sake. Now, Yitro is going to go now to a whole different scale on depth and bring a different reason again. This truly is the main part of why I wanted to do this part of the Darush. Listen to this. <clears throat> the Zerashim Shon now is going to explain the back and forth between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu, Yitro asking Moshe Rabbeinu to accept him. There is, this, there is also further that we can explain. The Kabbalists have written that what? Moshe Rabbeinu was the reincarnation of heaven. Abel. Right? The reincarnation of Adam's son, heaven. Moshe Rabbeinu was the reincarnation of heaven. Ve'yitro, and Yitro was Gilgulo Shel Cain. Yitro was the Gilgul of Cain, Adam's second son. Okay, this is what, according to Kabbalah. Now we know the story of Cain and Hevel, right? Cain kills heaven. Now here, Yitro is Cain, and Hevel is Moshe. Right? Now, Vetziporah, who is Tzipora here? Where is she in this game? Tzipora was an 
extra twin that was born with heaven. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have asked before, when God created the world, who would these people marry? Who were their wives? Right? And in the beginning of creation, we know that each person was born with their mate as a twin. Every boy had a twin girl, and that twin girl was actually their wife. Right? There was no other way to get married. There were no, there were nobody else. So Hashem would create, create um, uh, the world in a way just like Adam and Chava. Adam and Chava were created together. Chava gave birth to Cain and Hevel. Cain and Hevel were born with their other halves already, which was naturally where it was supposed to be. Just like Adam and Chava. You already had your mate with you. Adam actually was also born with his mate. It's a different story. <clears throat> but Cain and Hevel were born with their twin as their wife, who was their wife, right? However, Hevel was born with an extra wife, so to speak, twin. And according to the Kabbalists, the fight that happened between Cain and Hevel, when he Cain killed Hevel, was over this extra girl. Cain said he wanted to marry her. Hevel said that she, he was, she was born with him, and he was going to marry her as a second wife, right? I don't know, a lot of people are probably thinking like, here we go again, all the problems of the world are caused, why? Over some girl, right? It's just, that's how important girls are. See, it's always about, I'm kidding. These are jokes, people. So Tzipporah was the Gilgul, was the reincarnation of Hevel's second wife to be, so to speak. However, it never happened. Why? Because Cain killed Hevel because of her. So now. Ve'ata, now, hechzirah yitro lemoshe. Yitro, coming back in this life, being the father of Tzipporah, Yitro is Cain, Tzipporah is his daughter, who is that actual reincarnation of the original wife of Hevel, who here is Moshe Rabbeinu. So Yitro comes and gives Tzipporah to Moshe as a wife. Hevel finally marries his true wife, which he missed in his past life. This is written in the Asara Ma'amorot, it's a Kabbalistic writing, in Ma'amar Din Perektet. Ma'amar Chikur Din Perektet. If you want to look it up. He says, listen to this, what does Yitro say to Moshe Rabbeinu when he introduces himself, when he's coming, as if Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know who Yitro is? Right? Yitro's his father-in-law. You think he already knows who his father-in-law is, right? But when Yitro comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, what does he say? Ani Yitro. I am your father-in-law, Yitro. Guaranteed no one has ever forgotten their father-in-law. It just doesn't happen. So why is he saying, I am Yitro, your father-in-law? Take the first letter of every single word, Ani Chotencha Yitro, you get the word, Achi, my brother. Yitro is secretly telling Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm your brother. It's me, Hevel, it's Cain. Those are the Rashi Tavot. And that's written in the Mamar. 
in the Asara Ma'amarot. Ve'gasinan besof perek bet ha'makot, and we say in perek bet of Gemara Ma'amakot, Yashuv ha'rotzeach le'eretz achuzato. That it says that a person that murdered someone was an, and was exiled to one of the cities of refuge, and after the Kohen Gadol dies, the murderer goes back, he takes, he takes leave of the city of refuge, and he returns to the land of his possession. Yashuv, he goes back, El Eretz Achuzato. I don't want to confuse everyone, but that's one of the rules that we have in the Torah, that if someone kills somebody by accident, they are exiled, and then when the Kohen Gadol dies, they go back to their hometown, Eretz Achuzato, right? However, they go back to their hometown, but they do not receive their honorable status as it was before. Let's say, let's say before they accidentally murdered someone, they were of Betin, they were head of a Betin, head of a court. Now the Kohen Gadol died, they can go back to their hometown, they can no longer be of Betin. They do not receive their honorary status anymore, right? And here, here, Yitro would be honoring himself through Moshe. Why? Because Yitro, being the father-in-law of Moshe, the king, so to speak, Yitro was receiving the honors. He would say, I am the father-in-law of the king. I am the father-in-law of Moshe. What's... What is a greater honor than that? I'm the one who gave my daughter to Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> Talk about choosing the right dumat. Right? Gold. Jackpot. And then, what would happen? This way, Yitro would be returning to his high status. We said a murderer cannot return to his high status. If Yitro comes back and he joins Moshe and he becomes his father-in-law, what not... He's receiving his position, so his big Cain is receiving a high status here. Just like Cain was the older brother of Hevel. Therefore, he sent them this message. If you don't come out, at least for me, to receive me as a convert for me, why? Because you don't, because you don't want to accept me because I was a murderer in my previous life. I murdered you. Therefore, you don't want to accept me to bring my status up because if you accept me, I'll be the father-in-law of the king and I'll get high status. If you don't want to accept me because of that, at least come out because of your wife, Tzipora. Because she was the twin who was born with you. She was the one you were meant to marry when you were heaven. <clears throat> and that is who I'm trying to return to. She's at Khalach. This is the one who I'm trying to return to you. Ve'im Tomar. But you might claim, She can't receive honor either. Why? Because she was the responsible party. It was her being that caused the murder of Cain of heaven. Even though she had nothing to do with it, but she was the cause of it. She was, at she was involved in some way or form. So she, she's not blamed for it, but at the same time, she can't get kavod either. So if you say, you're not going to accept her either, t 
Tzebegin shenebaneha. Come out because of her two children. Shelochatu klal. Because they never sinned. They had nothing to do with anything. Va'adraba min harauihu. And it's the exact opposite. They actually deserve to actually come and join you. Why? Because you would be able to kind of gather those that were lost. What was Yitra saying? The two sons of Moshe Rabbeinu were also reincarnations, not even reincarnations. They were the souls that were supposed to be originally given to Hevel through his wife, which never actually happened. So Yitro is saying, if you're not going to do it for me because you don't want to give me the status, you don't want to do it for your wife because maybe she, her soul was somehow involved then also, you don't want to give her the status either, do it for her, her two sons. Notice how the Torah does not say, Moshe, I am coming with your wife and your two children. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm coming with your wife and her two children. The Asana says, why does he say I'm coming with her two children? Because it's her two children are who, really? Are the two children she was supposed to have with you, Hevel, at the beginning of creation. They're the ones you were supposed to have then that you finally had. This is your chance to bring home those lost souls that you should have had then, that you had now. From the six days of creation. And therefore, they are, therefore she is entitled to great honor because she was the one who bore these children for you. For her loss of having caused the death of Hevel, so to speak, should be offset by the gain that she bore your two children for you, who were supposed to have back then with Hevel. And with this second portion, once again, the Zerah Shimshon answers our questions. What was really going on between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu was really a discourse between Cain and Hevel. Cain trying to make things right, returning Hevel's true wife to him and bringing into the world, and the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu had brought into the world his original children as Hevel, Yitro reuniting Moshe Rabbeinu with his lost souls, so to speak. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.